Let's open our Bibles at Romans 8 to start with. I think it's fair to say that um, all of us just sitting here, we, we do love revival, don't we? Who here doesn't? We do love revival up to a certain point. And up to a certain point, we always love to see new people coming to the meeting. And we love to see these people uh, going to the prayer room and... Uh, up to a certain point, we love these people coming, love to see these people coming out of the prayer room and quite obviously spirit field, uh, they don't even have to tell you anything. You can just see it on their face that, yeah, they got it. It's a wonderful feeling to see that. To a certain point, we love to see these people getting baptized and being grounded in the faith, having victories and joining this wonderful family of God up to a certain point. And now the reason I'm saying up to a certain point, because I believe there is a certain point where we simply don't like it anymore. We don't love it. And that's simply a matter of how much um, it requires our personal involvement. And for everybody, this, this particular point is, is absolutely different. For one particular person, say a, a very uh, lazy brother or sister, if they have to get out of the chair, they don't love it anymore. They're very happy to just sit and observe. And for others, they're willing to go to the end of the world just to cause revival. I love to see new people coming along as long as I don't, I don't have to go out and preach the gospel. I love to see people getting baptized as long as I don't have to open the Bible with them and explain the importance of getting baptized. I love seeing people receiving the Holy Spirit as long as I don't have to go in the prayer room and pray with them. Yeah, I can do that. Yeah, I can do that. Yeah, I can do that. Nah, I'm not sure I can do that. And um, no matter how involved we are, no matter how much we are on fire for the Lord, we all have this point. And what we'll um, take a look and look at in the next 10, 15, 20, we'll see, minutes, is how we can rise this point. In um, Romans 8, 11, we can read, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Now, before we talk about wanting revival, causing revival, it's pretty important to maybe try to define what is revival. And there's millions and millions of other ways how we can try to put it. The interesting thing is um, the word revival is in the Bible. The word revive is, revival isn't. But we read here, is that he who raised Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies. Quicken means to give life. What revival essentially means is to see someone dead in their sins come alive by the power of God. Now, even Jesus himself said, uh, you can read in John 10, that the only purpose he came to this earth is to give life and to give life more abundantly. And that is very simply um, the desire of God. That's what he wants from us. That's what he wants for, from everybody um, else on this planet. And uh, here, sitting today in this meeting, we have God's spirit inside of us, at least in most of us. That means that our desires are aligned with him, our thoughts, our motivation. And that's why we rejoice when we see someone getting baptized. That's why we rejoice when we see someone receive the Holy Spirit. Because that's what God wants. That's what we want. Because if you have the Spirit living inside of us, we'll go to Luke 12. We'll take a closer look 
at why we want revival in the first place. Because if you were to tell someone in the world that we found the most joy on this planet in seeing someone getting baptized in a meeting or praying in tongues, they'd think you're crazy. So why do we still have revival though? In Luke 12, you can read in verse 4 to 9, Jesus speaking here, I am come to send fire on the earth, and what will I if it be already kindled? But I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how am I straightened till it be accomplished? Jesus came to the source with a very simple task to be crucified and overcome death, and with this allow, allowing us to have a closer relationship with God, allowing us um, uh, to get salvation uh, through him. Uh, what Jesus is basically saying is that I brought fire to spread all around this earth, me being crucified, me, me overcoming death will allow this fire to actually spread. And this fire hasn't only rekindled, this fire today is burning all around the earth. The fire is burning in Australia, the fire is burning in Europe, the fire is burning in Canada, all over this place. Um, and here, sitting together, we are truly living testimonies of this fire, that when Jesus came, he didn't came in vain, his purpose was truly fulfilled. We are taught by the Bible that we have the same mind of Christ. The mind, again, as I said before, uh, motivation and thoughts. We also want this fire to spread, and that's why we want revival. We don't want revival because, because we are some sort of special people, because you're, so, you're more special than I am, or we are more special than any people in the world. We don't want revival because we were taught to want revival. This is not some, something that can be taught. We want revival because we have the Spirit of God living inside of us, causing us to desire this very same thing. You can read in Matthew 28, Mark 16, Acts 1, Jesus talking to the disciples, just sending them out, that you would teach the nations, you would bring them in, you would baptize them, you would cause them to, to be born again. That's what he wants. And that's what we want. Now, but what I started off with, even though we do have the Spirit of God living inside of us, Revival is what we want, we do still have a point, and it's very important for us to identify, okay, where is my point? Because unless we manage to identify the point, we go back to Luke 8 in the meantime, unless we manage to identify this point, we won't be able to work on it, we won't be able to rise it, we want this point to be further and further away from us. We never want to reach it. In Luke 8, this here is the... Um, parable of the sower and the seed, we won't read the, the entire thing for, um, for time's sake. Um, I think we're mostly familiar with the story anyway. We'll start off with the, uh, with the third ground. Jesus is talking again. And that which fell among thorns are they which when they have heard go forth and are choked with the cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. And in summary, if you want to sum it up, of what may stop us from having revival. But it, we're not only talking about revival, we're talking about simply helping out our brothers and sisters, being involved in the church and supporting one another. One of these things, one of these three things might stop us. The cares, riches, and pleasures of this world. Cares, worries, worries about 
Who knows why? It might be family, work, financial situation. You might have a sick dog. Who knows? It's different in everybody else's lives. But the thing is, these do come up every now and again. Who here hasn't worried at all in the last one year? We all experience worry because the world will put things in our way. But the Bible's answer is very clear of how we can overcome this. We can, again, Jesus' words read in uh, Matthew 6, that if you seek ye first the kingdom of God, God will take care of every single one of these worries. These cares simply shouldn't bother us. They shouldn't stand in the way of us going towards revival. The second, riches. I don't think any one of us, you know, care too much about riches. At least I haven't seen too many people, you know, coming with their Rolls Royces. If if you do, can I have a ride, please? They're, 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 that'd be cool. Um, but it doesn't only talk about people having a lot of money. It's simply people who can't find satisfaction. It's people who keep wanting more and more and more. And then there's pleasures. When we talk about pleasures, it's it's not only um, evil pleasures as such, but things we can find more confident than God, than the Spirit of God. Comfortable things that we spend time with that are absolutely not related to God. And that might be a hobby, that might be just hanging out with your friends, and that might be a soccer game in the TV that happens to me on a Sunday afternoon. And it's just more comfortable for me to stay at home. These things stand in the, in the way of us causing revival. And again, in your life, this point is, is in a completely different point um, where it is for me. What causes it is different in your life than it is in mine. It's your very own job to try to recognize, okay, where is this point? Now, the second question, I guess, would be how can we change this point? How can we push it further and put it further away from us? And uh, I think that would be prob- that would probably be the, the main goal of this, uh, this talk. Um, that after camp, when we go home, say in a couple of days or a couple of weeks, um, I'd like us all to go home um, thinking that I don't have to worry about that point anymore. Whatever's holding Mac, I don't want to worry about it anymore. I don't want to let it influence me anymore and stand in the way of me truly being a servant of God. We're going to Colossians 3. As I mentioned before, through the Holy Spirit, our thoughts are aligned with Christ. And in Second um, Corinthians 10, um, there's this uh, interesting concept uh, described by Paul about bringing our thoughts into ca- captivity unto the obedience of Christ. And that's a very conscious choice to allow the Spirit work in us and to let our thoughts be in captivity. That, okay, I'm not going to go my own way. I'm going to do what Christ wants me to do. The opposite of doing what Christ wants us to do is simply thinking in our own way, just going after our own own desires. Going after our own desires, thinking in our own way, is what the Bible calls being carnally minded. And the Bible is very clear that being carnally minded leads to death. It leads nowhere. In Colossians 3, where was that from? First one, wow. Uh, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. If you want to raise the point, just meditate, especially on this third verse. 
Just think about it. Pray about it. Grow appreciation for it. That you are dead without Christ. But through Christ, we can be alive. Um, Jesus, um, still in the Gospels, does this instance um, when a um, sinner woman um, who's been forgiven uh, washes, uh, washes her feet and anoints her. Anoints him, and uh, Jesus talks about this woman uh, saying that he that she loves much because she has been forgiven much, and we must also grow an appreciation for how much we have been forgiven. I don't think there's any one of us sitting here thinking, "Oh, you know, it's it's great sitting over here. It's great being baptized." But I wasn't much of a sinner anyway. I'm pretty much I'm I'm pretty sure we can just think back the last couple of weeks and think, "Oh yeah, I messed that up." I'm glad I can live with the blood of Christ, that I can be cleansed. We are all sinners. Grow an appreciation for how much we have been forgiven. And as Jesus has said, this will teach us how to love. This will teach us how to love God, how to love the brethren, how to love the people out in the world, and how to love God's word. If we want to raise the point, we must realize we're dead without Christ and that we can only live with Jesus. There's no alternative. We'll go to Hebrews 10. I'm not sure how many of you would be familiar with this um, story in the Old Testament. I think I wanted to take a look at it at the time, so probably not, of um, the prophet Elisha uh, dying. And um, before um, Elisha died, he summoned the king of, uh, of Israel at the time. Uh, and Israel was in great danger of being attacked by the Syrians. And um, he summoned the king and told the king to shoot an arrow out of the window. And um, they went to where the arrow landed and asked the king to strike the ground uh, with the arrow. Because if you strike the ground, you will defeat the Syrians, Elisha said to the king. Just paraphrasing. And um, the king took the arrow, just went to the ground and went, tap, tap, tap. And that's it. And Elisha got really, really angry. Is that it? Is that all you can give God? Tap, tap, tap. Okay. Then God will only help you defeat the Syrians three times. If you smash those arrows to the ground, if you did it five, six, seven times, then you would have destroyed them entirely. And that's the mentality God needed from the king, and that's the same mentality that God requires from us. Do we want revival? Of course we want revival. Up to a certain point. Tap. Sunday meeting, tick, tap, tap. Wednesday meeting, flick, tap, tap. Oh, actually, I still have a lot of work to do um, in my workplace. I might skip this Wednesday meeting. That's not how it should work. Do we want revival? Yes, we want revival. If we want revival, we'll strike, we'll smash that arrow to the ground. Because that's what God wants from us, to give everything we got. I, a couple of years ago, uh, I listened to this talk from uh, Pastor Brian Allen, actually. And um, at the end of the talk, he just summed up everything he said. And um, he said something like, give God everything you got, because everything you got came from God anyway. And I really, really liked that thought. Why wouldn't we want to give God everything, all our time, all our effort, all of our arrow smashing, if it all came from him anyway? If we love God doing his work, we will manage to do it with all our heart, all our soul, strength, and mind. 
Yes, we read 24 in Hebrews 10. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. That would probably be one of my closing thoughts. It's a reminder that even though it seems obvious, we, we don't always consider it. The world that we live in does not want revival. The world we live we live in does not want to see a single person in the baptism tank, and the world we live in will do absolutely everything to prevent it. And that's why it's so important that we separate ourselves from this world today. Even now, when Peter stood up um, and gave that, um, that excellent speech uh, in Acts 2 on the day of Pentecost, uh, one of the last things uh, that we can read there after he already declared the gospel message is, uh, it's to save yourself from this wicked generation, we can read. There are many translations. You know, don't use the, the, the phrasing, save yourself. It, it says, rip yourself away or tear yourself off as you, as you would tear a piece of paper in two halves. You came from the same spot, but you must be tarred off. As one piece of paper can't have to, don't have, doesn't have to do anything with the other half, so, so should we be with the rest of this world. You should be torn off. And because the world does not want revival, we are the only ones who want, and because of this, we are the only ones who have caused revival. We want to see each other succeed. We, only we, can build each other up. I want to succeed, you want to succeed. And I want you to succeed, and you want me to succeed. And that's an amazing thing. And today we have an amazing, wonderful opportunity to gather here in the unity of the Spirit far away from the world that doesn't want revival. It's a very blessed situation and we should take advantage of it. As we read here in 24, I might read it again. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as ye say the day approaching. It talks about considering one another and provoking one another. No one's going to provoke each other more than we can if that makes sense. When it talks about um, provoking unto good works, good works not meaning opening a, a free soup kitchen in the middle of Adelaide. It talks about encouraging and stirring each other up to cause revival and, and to be more and more fire for the Lord. We read here in verse 25, so but exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. The coming of the Lord the second coming of Jesus is closer and closer. We receive encouragement here that by every single day we should put more and more effort in this. Camp is the perfect opportunity to do that. And all the people said. Mm-hmm.